Luke 1. Inasmuch as, have, as many have undertaken to complete a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak, and that until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and, reminding, and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth was conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. 
Well, Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the miracle of the incarnation. Lord, thanks for the hope that we can have in your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just settle our hearts, settle our minds, that you would speak to us, that you encourage us through your word, that you teach us, that help us to live in a way that would glorify you. I pray that you would use your word this morning to encourage us. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. About a number of years ago, I, was, I took an individual up to Rockford to run the Rockford Half Marathon. And we took him up there. I wasn't running it. He was going to run it. So I took him up there. He ran it, and I waited. And took off, and he ran. And I thought he should be done at a certain time. Um, and it took a little bit longer. And so he, he came f- uh, finishing in. And so as we were walking back, I was talking to him about his situation, like what, 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 what happened. It took a little longer than I thought. was kind of wondering what, what something took place while I waited. And he said, well, the course was messed up. Half of us took off the wrong way. He was in the lead pack. They, they didn't design the course correctly, and they went the wrong direction on a turn in the middle of the woods someplace, and so they ended up going farther than a half marathon. It took him longer than he expected. It was this uncharted area he wasn't expected to be on. Some of you feel that way this morning as you come to the end of the year and in your own situation. This is this, the, the, where you find yourself is unchartered territory. It's, it's an uncharted course that you would say, if we were sitting across from each other having coffee, Paul, I, I never thought I'd be here. This is not the way I thought it would be. I, I didn't think I would be in this situation. And you're waiting for it to turn around. That's Advent. That, that's the season that's what this is about. It's us, it's us wondering with our own lives and waiting again as Christians for Jesus' return to help us figure out and make sense in some ways for some of us the uncharted course that God's called us to. And the question this morning is what do you do with the uncharted course that you're on? You say, that's me. I, 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 I'm not where I thought I would be right now. This isn't the course that I would have planned for my life. This isn't the direction I thought things were going to go. The, the, things have taken a turn here. It's a little surprising. I'm not, I'm not where I, I, I wanted it even to be. So what do you do with an uncharted course? There, there's two options, at least, that you could do with your life and with the course of the direction that you have gone. The all-American way is to come to a situation that's not charted correctly, that's not the course that we thought we would be on, not the way things have turned out. And the American way is to say, I'm just going to navigate around it. I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps, and we're going to survive this thing. I'm just going to navigate. I'm going to figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll navigate around it. People have been in tougher situations than this. The second option that many people will do besides just say, I'm going to just navigate around it, I can do this on my own, is just to say, I'm just going to numb it. I'm going to pull back from everything. I'm going to pour myself into something. And I'm just going to numb the reality of my life. 
And both of those options aren't the most helpful. The third option that Scripture constantly calls us to when uncharted curses of our life happens is to fully embrace them and to acknowledge it. And that's hard to do in situations. To fully embrace what we're going through. This is, this is what Christianity is. When Luke wrote his gospel to Theophilus, the, the question was, there was all this buzz about who Jesus was, what the gospel is, what truth is. And a lot of people were talking about it. And Theophilus's question really was, is Christianity, Luke, is Christianity, is Jesus what I believe it is? A faith sent from God. Is it really what it says it is? And Luke says, it is. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write an orderly account of all of it. Of it. And he says in verse 4 of Luke 1, he wrote this to his excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. He, he, this, this is good if you're in a situation where you feel like your life is just uncharted. You, you don't know what course, you're not sure how things are going to turn around. This is good news for us. He says, I, I'm, I'm going to sit down, and I, I love the humanity of Luke chapter 1. He, just, he says, as much as many people are talking about Jesus and, and all the things that he's done, and of all the ways that, he's, that they're doing it, I, I decided, because I, I was an eyewitness to all these things, that I'm going to sit down and consciously and correctly write down an account of what this is. And the reason I'm doing this for you is so that you can have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught about Jesus. So you can have certainty that these things, that you can recognize them in full, that you can have not just certainty, some security in them. That no matter what the course of your life is, Theophilus or you, you can have certainty and security as you focus on Jesus. And he says, I'm gonna, so he, he did this. He says, I'm gonna, I, I, Luke said, I followed all things closely. I followed them for some time. I formed an orderly account and I did it for your faith. And that's how he starts the Gospel of Luke. And the first two chapters is about Jesus' coming. And the beginning of it starts with this contrast between John the Baptist and Jesus. About John the Baptist's parents and Jesus' mother. And he says, here's the account. And I wrote this so that you can have certainty. And he starts out with this unexpected contact. If you, if you want to know some course of life, he says, here's what happened. There was an unexpected contact in the days of Herod, king of Judah. The gospel and Jesus Christ is set in real humanity, real history. There's real people. If this was written today, it could have said in, in the days of Trump, in, when Pritzker was governor of Illinois, to Corey Weiborg, a union worker. That's how real Luke 1 is for history. It says there was 
In the days of Hezekiah, there was this, this priest, this very ordinary individual, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, very ordinary people, just doing their jobs, just getting up every day. And, and Zechariah was a priest. They, 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 they were Christians. They were followers of God. They were righteous in their ways. But very ordinary. They just did their thing. They got up. They did it often in obscurity. Zechariah was one of 18,000 priests. There was, there was all kinds of guys who were just coming to Jerusalem. This is what they did. 18,000 of them walking every day. They, they'd take their turn in the temple. They were just doing their thing. They were ordinary, pretty obscure. Nobody really knew them. And they had a chance of a lifetime draw where one time in his life, one of the priests would be able to go into the inner temple of God and say, and do what he was called to do at this time. And this was his moment it's just ordinary, obscure little life that nobody would have known about, really, except there was something unique about them. There was an obstacle in their life. There was a, there was a course that they didn't understand. These two God-loving people, were, they were barren. Elizabeth was barren. She, she had no child. They had this big obstacle. They've been carrying along in their ordinary little life and praying for God to give us a child, praying for, praying for some hope. Everybody else was getting pregnant. Everybody else was having kids, but not Elizabeth. There was nothing more devastating, even today, for many women than, than, than this. But even in that culture, it was almost people thought that if you couldn't get pregnant, that, you were, that God was against you. She was ostracized and she, she felt this deeply. It was unbelievably painful. They had this big obstacle, this course of their life. And, and so do all of us. There's financial problems, parenting problems, relationship problems, schoolwork problems, emotional issues, family issues. I, I, and you could be like Zechariah and Elizabeth saying, man, this is not the course that I thought this would take. This is actually how I feel and what I'm going through is actually the opposite of what I thought it would be like to walk with God. I mean, when we got this plan together and we said, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. And then this, the way it's turning out, I, I, I feel like I'm actually, that God's against me in this. This was the struggle that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have dealt with. This was their struggle. The course didn't seem the way that they wanted it to be, but they had this unexpected contact. This angel comes to them, comes to Zechariah, and he says, I heard your prayer. I'm not exactly sure what the prayer is, but, we, it, but I'm sure tied in there was, God, can we have a baby? But all that time when they didn't have kids, all these things that God was doing, it was, it was for a reason. There was a plan behind it all. And so what if your uncharted, unexpected course is truly the correct address for you? What, what if the situation you're actually going through right now that is just overwhelming you, that you've got you off course, is not figured out the way you, you, you wanted it to be? What if that unexpected, uncharted course is actually the correct address for you? What are you going to do with that? Because God wasn't against Zechariah and Elizabeth. And as a matter of fact, it says they, they were righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all his commandments and statutes 
of the Lord. They, they were following God exactly the way they were supposed to follow God, and their course was still confusing. So here's what you need to know. If that's you, you, you feel like my, the, the course of my life is confusing, but, but I don't know what else to do. You need to know that God is near to the brokenhearted. That's what Psalm 34, 17, 18, and 19 says. When the righteous cry for, for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. God, God was near. God never left Zechariah and Elizabeth. He, he never left them. He, he was always near to them. God, with the uncharted course that you are in, God is very near to you. God's very near to the brokenhearted when things aren't going the way you hoped they could do. And brokenheartedness does not have to halt you spiritually. Your, your world could be falling apart, but it doesn't have to stop you from being faithful to God with, uh, and, and, and walking blamelessly before God. Zechariah and Elizabeth were able to do it. They, they did it. But they were broken for a very specific reason. God left Zechariah and Elizabeth barren for years through uncharted courses, not what they expected, not what they wanted, that they prayed against, and they kept following God, they kept walking with God, and God had them in that broken situation for the glory of God, because God knew that he was going to send an angel. Gabriel was going to come one day when he was in the temple, and on his prime time, when, when it was his one-time, lifetime chance to be in the, the temple, Gabriel was going to show up, and he was going to say, Zechariah, what you've been praying for, God's heard. You're going to have a son. It's an amazing opportunity. I mean, Zechariah's response should have been, yes, I know it. I've been praying for that. Of course, I'm, of course this is, I, I should have expected this. That's not what he said. When Zechariah talked to Gabriel, in verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. What, what Gabriel told Zechariah was, From you, there is going to be born a baby. It was going to be a part of turning the hearts of the children to the fathers. And Zechariah, of all people, the priest, should have known what it says in Malachi. In Malachi verse 3, verse 1, in the Old Testament, with, with the, the, the people of Israel have been waiting for this, the presence of God. And Malachi 3, 1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before you. And the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And he should have, could have thought of Malachi 4, 5, and 6 where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. As a priest, he would have studied the Old Testament. He, he should have been prepared, looking for when's God going to break in. God breaks in in his life and says, From you, Zechariah, John the Baptist is going to come. The one I told you about was going to come. He's going to come and believed it, but Zechariah didn't believe it. He objected to it. He said, how can this be? 
I'm old, my wife's old, time's past. And Gabriel said, because you didn't trust me, you're going to be mute until the baby's born. The most dramatic thing that's ever happened to Zechariah's life that he would have wanted to speak about with great joy. He goes, because you didn't believe me, because you didn't trust God's word, you're going to be quiet. When you go through uncharted courses with your life, when you wait and, and you wonder and you're thinking, what is all this about? Zechariah is not the perfect picture to help us. He had this unexpected contact with this angel. We need someone different, and God gave us another picture. He gave us an unlikely major character because after he was born, then Gabriel comes again a second time to, to Mary. This little girl who is also extremely ordinary, maybe even more ordinary than Zechariah. She's a little teenage girl. I mean, totally unlikely most unlikely person to receive a message from Gabriel. She was young, she was poor, she absolutely had no power, she was absolutely ordinary, absolutely obscure. She lived in Nazareth of Galilee. Nazareth was never mentioned in the Old Testament at all. Nobody was looking for anything in Nazareth. It's Nazareth of Galilee, which is just called the region of the Gentiles. And if any hope for the nation of Israel was going to come, it wasn't going to come through Nazareth that nobody cared about. And it definitely, they thought, was not going to come from the region of the Gentiles. Even Jesus, or even when they first heard about Jesus in John 14, 6, and they heard he was from Nazareth, it says, can, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Somebody said that Mary was a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere, but God saw her. You may feel like a nobody, in a nowhere town, in the middle of nowhere. But God sees you. God absolutely sees you. And whatever the obstacle that Mary had, which is big, he says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, I'm a virgin. We believe in an unbelievable, miraculous virgin birth. There was this huge opportunity and God took this opportunity, and Mary took this opportunity to show his grace for the lowly. And Mary hears this message, and she just says the same response in verse 29. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Verse 29 says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She has this greeting from Gabriel, and she's troubled by it. I mean, fear strikes her just like it struck Zechariah, and her question is, I mean, what, what might this be? What's the course of my life going to be now? What, what's the plot line of my life going to be now? This is a big week at the Bannister House. On Friday, the Star Wars movies come out. That's a huge deal at our house. And we are going to supposedly wrap up the Star Wars series at, at Jared's senior year. Because I'm sure they'll never make another one uh, after this. Or will they? What's the meaning of this? This is the, this is the story that people are talking about. What's the plot line going to be? What might be? This is what Mary's asking in her life. What might be? She's troubled by this. What kind of greeting is this? Who's, who's 
plot's going to work out in this situation. Is this going to be a course that I like? These are all the questions that we have. It's all the questions that you think about. It's all the questions that you deal with. You may not phrase it that way, but this is what we, we think about. We're troubled. What might be? What's the plot going to be? How's this going to work out? But what a moment. In Isaiah 35, if you read the book of Isaiah, the first part of the first 34 chapters of Isaiah, you think like, this is hopeless. There's, just, there's nothing good going to happen. Then Isaiah 35 breaks in, and out of, all of a sudden, it says, strengthen the weak knees and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will, he will come and save you. For people's plot lines, the stories of their life, they're just like, this is unlikely that God would ever use me. This is unlikely that this situation could be for God's glory. What might be? What's the magnificent plot? Isaiah 35 is unbelievably breaks in and says, hey, you, 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 think, you think there's no hope? There's hope. So, so anxious hearts, fear not. Be, be strong. Be obedient. God's working things out to his end for his glory. And Mary did something that Zechariah didn't do. Mary listened in verse 35. She, she listened. She believed him. Zechariah's question, well, how shall I know this, was, was about doubt. Ze- Mary's was like, well, how is this going to be? Tell me, what, what's going to happen? And, and Gabriel comes to her, and he gives her, the, he doesn't tell you everything, he just says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child shall be born, shall be called holy, the Son of God, and behold, Mary listened, and she leaned in, and what Gabriel said to her after he told her this was this, for nothing will be impossible with God. He would say the same thing to you. That's what Gabriel would say and God would say to us. You're in a difficult situation. The course of your life is is a little off. You're not sure what the plot's going to be in six months, in two months, in a week. God would say, I broke into a little girl's world. And through that little girl who trusted me, came the Son of God. Nothing is impossible with God. Her response to that was unbelievable, unspeakable joy because Mary surrendered to God. Mary said in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's the response of someone who doesn't understand their course but chooses to trust God and says, whatever you say, God, I I will surrender to it, which is created in her an unbelievable joy. The, The question this morning is, with the course of your life, if you understand it or if you don't understand it, ultimately the question is, will you trust God with it? Will you trust him with it? Will you choose to be like Mary and say, God, just 
my life is yours. How will this be? I'm going to glorify you with it. John Wesley had a covenant prayer that he would pray. And it's a prayer of surrender, which says, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. That's what Mary said. Is that what you're saying with your life? Have you said, I'm no longer mine, but but God's? I, I see who Jesus is. I believe that he came, born of a virgin. He lived a life that I could not live. He went to the cross, died for my sins, what I deserved. And on the third day, he rose again. And I have given my life over to him and everything about my life over to him. And I'm going to let him lead my life. I'm not my own. When Mary did that in her faith, in trusting that what the angel said was true and believing in it, this unbelievable, unspeakable joy came out of her. And she sang. And she sang this unbelievable poem called The Magnificent. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joy was in the world. Joy was coming to the world. And she said, let earth receive her king. It was joy for Mary, unspeakable joy. For her, in that moment, it was like an overflowing well that no tongue can tell, joy unspeakable, that rose in her soul because she knew God would never let her go. You don't have to know the course of your life to have joy. You, you, you don't have to know every direction that God has for you to have joy. You can fight for joy. This is what Mary did, and she sang this song. So the question this morning, have you submitted your uncharted course to God? Whatever that situation is, submit your uncharted course to Christ and ask for the grace of God to let your soul sing in the midst of however difficult it is.